prayers. Brother Eddie comes. Lord, we thank you for these answered prayers. God, we give you praise for it. We don't want to rush through it. We don't want to skip over it. We don't want to take it lightly. But God, we want to be like that tenth leper. God, that gets a miracle and he comes back and he gives you praise. God, there's entire churches that have never seen a miracle, that have never seen an answered prayer. Religions that have prayed to God's for their entire life and he's never answered one prayer. But God, in this service, there's three testimonies right here of what you've done. Lord, we give you thanks for it. Every good and every perfect gift comes from you. And Lord, we give you praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise as Brother Eddie comes tonight. Praise the Lord, man. I was enjoying those testimonies. God's a good God, isn't he? And uh, you know what I like about that most, Brother Eddie, is... Is that when God did that for you, you praying by yourself, is no man can lay claim to it. Brother Clendenin said, you know, when God does something for us, he said, we're wrapped in flesh. And he said, well, God will hear and answer prayer and give us a miracle. And he said, after we testify that for about five or ten times, he said, we're not careful. We'll testify it in a way to where it's almost like we've done it and not God. And I, I remember uh, Keith, my uh, buddy over in uh, Savannah, Georgia, when I rode to Atlanta that time to pray for him. He was Baptist and prayed for him to get the Holy Ghost, and he didn't get it. And I was on, on the way home, and I said, God, I, I, I just can't believe you didn't feel him. I drove a long way to pray for that man, and he drove meet me there because he wanted to be filled. I just assured you was going to fill it. I don't know why you didn't, but I know you can. By the time I get through praying that prayer, he calls me and God had filled him on the way home. He said, man, when you prayed for me in the room, the Spirit of God came over me and I quenched it. I said, no, 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 I can't. I can't speak. He said, I felt the, the utterance of tongues came and I quenched it off. I said, I, can't, I just can't do it. And he said, I felt so grieved. And I said to the Lord on the way back, Lord, that man drove a long way to pray for me. And you tried to fill me and I quenched you. And I'm so sorry. He said, Lord, if you'll move on me again, I won't quench you. And so God filled him right there. He pulled off the side of the road. And I don't know, I think he said about 30 minutes speaking in tongues. He called me weeping and crying and said, Brother Eddie, I'm filled. And I said, the greatest thing about it is you're not going to tell anybody I'm filled because Brother Eddie laid his hands on me. Prayed anything. Oh, you, God did it for you on the side of the highway. And nobody can, nobody can ever make you doubt. So I like, I just like to give God all the glory. Give him all the glory. Amen. You know, sometimes we lay hands on the sick and they recover. And I can tell you, there ain't no healing in there. That's right. Yeah, right. That's right. This, there ain't nothing in there. Mm -hmm. But Jesus yeah. is a healer. Yeah. And when he heals, even if it be through us, through our prayer, through the anointing, laying on the hands, it's him. That's right. He's a great God. 
He's a mighty, mighty, mighty Savior and healer and Holy Ghost baptizer. He's real soon to come. I'm looking for him. Be all right with me if he comes tonight. Praise the Lord. I, you know, if he comes tonight, uh, uh, Taylor and Caleb just have to be raptured out as fiancés. Uh, they won't even get to have that wedding. But the best wedding is going to be the one up there. Marriage Supper of the Lamb. I used to tease my girls all the time. They looking for Mr. Wright. They met them and planning those wedding out, and I'm praying. You know, a rapture could take place before y'all ever get married. They count how many kids they're going to have and all that. I said, rapture could take place, and none of that. Dad, don't say that. <laughs> I said, well, my Lord, why not? I'm ready for Jesus to come. <laughs> Amen. There's one wedding I'm looking forward to. Amen, that the price has already been paid for. Amen, all I got to do is participate. Amen, I'm looking for it. Amen, I don't know if we, are y'all practicing tonight? All right, we're going to allow our children to be dismissed then. Amen. Brother Corey says we are having a, we could talk to practice on Saturday at 11, is that right? So uh, remember that. And also, uh, on that note, we'll be having our Christmas program on Sunday morning. That is to be followed with a potluck uh, lunch in the fellowship hall. So if you can help us by bringing something, as you can tell by everybody in here, most of us like to eat. Amen. <laughs> Every time I say the word potluck, I think of Junior Allen. I pastored him at a Somerdale. <laughs> that man loved potluck. He'd always tell me, hey, man, we're going to have potluck. We're going to have potluck. And uh, I don't think I'd ever, I'd ever called it a potluck until I got to Somerdale. And Junior Allen turned me on to potluck. I was like, what is that? Potluck. He said, everybody, everybody brings something. And so uh, we're going to have potluck. Uh, lunch, after service, after the program on uh, Sunday morning. Just look for it to, to be a great day. We will have uh, we'll have service Sunday night as well. So uh, I, I'm just looking for a great day in the Lord. Again, good to have uh, uh, Brother Boop, Sister Yvonne, and also Sister Pat in service with us tonight, and Zach as well. We appreciate all of you for being here. We're going to read tonight out of the book of Song of Solomon. We're going to read out of chapter number 6. Read one verse, verse number 10. Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter number 6. We're just going to read one verse, verse number 10. Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners? 
Amen. I want to preach on like a mighty army. Like a mighty army. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray and ask that you'll touch us, strengthen us, anoint us to preach, oh God, which you've laid upon our heart for the service tonight. And God, we do give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. I thank you for touching Brother Eddie. I thank you, Lord, for answering uh, Brother Terry as he prayed and sought you and fasted. God, what you did for them, I thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for touching Brother Philip. In his body, I, I believe you and thank you that you're a healer. And oh God, whatever it is that needs to be done tonight, you're still looking to move and to hear and to answer prayer. God, in every heart and in every life. So I pray that you will exalt the name of Jesus through the preaching of the word tonight. Let our faith in him be increased, oh God. And may he be exalted in every heart and in every life. He is worthy of all of our praises. In his name we ask it. Amen. You can be seated. Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners? If you look at the Song of Solomon as a love story between the shepherd and the Shunammite, you will see Christ and the church. And taking this one verse the latter part of it, terrible as an army with banners. That is talking about the church. The Bible uses many allegorical terms, uh, types, signs, symbols uh, to represent the church as an army. In the text, she's described as looking forth as the morning, as the light of the world whose Messiah is the day spring from on high. She's also depicted as clear as the sun, showing or exhibiting a great light to those who are walking in darkness. As an army, she's likened under the camp of Israel in the wilderness, who is a mighty military strength. In the midst of enemies, they engaged in constant conflict and in battle. Believers, you and I, are soldiers in the army of the Lord whose banners, whose emblems are the gospel of Jesus Christ. The banners were the emblems of every army or every other nation that they had conquered. They would take those flags or take those banners away from those armies and add them to their banners. And when an army was, con was a conquering army, and if you've seen them coming, with every banner of every other army or every other nation that they had invaded and conquered, it was a fearsome or a terrible sight to behold. Look at all of the victories they won. How will we dare stand up against them? He, he likens the church as terrible as an army with banners. If you hear all the testimonies in this house tonight of all the victories that Christ has won, all the battles that have been fought and the churches came through them all triumphant. It ought to strike fear in every demon in hell tonight that God is in our midst. He is fighting our battles and he hasn't lost one yet. Amen. In the reviewing the work of the church in the world, I want us to consider the church's conception, her conflicts, 
I want us to view her commander in chief, uh, her battle cry, and ultimately her conquest. Uh, let's look first at the conception of the church. The conception of the church came at a time when the hope of the world's salvation had all but vanished. And I want to tell you, that's the lone thing that gives me hope in this current day in which we live. Yeah. Under this Biden administration, I have hope. Because it seemed just as hopeless in the time or in the era when Jesus came under the earth. Even they were being, this world was being ruled and dictated by demon-possessed men. One of which called himself a Caesar. If you look at some of the Caesars or some of the Herods that ruled and governed in, in the time of the early church or the time of the birth of Christ, these were some of the most wicked men who had ever lived. Totally demon-possessed. Just sickening if you read the testimonials of how some of those rulers ruled, some of the, some of the wickedness that uh, reigned in them during their, during their time as leaders on earth. And we may point to modern day leaders and I think they're just as demon possessed. Uh, principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and high places. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. You can put a name, you can describe a face, you can, you know, ascribe them to a political party. It's the same devil. Yeah. It's the same devil we're up against. Uh, it was during a desperate time when Jesus was born into this world and during a desperate time when he gave his life on Calvary and when the Holy Ghost descended upon the church. So the conception of the church came at a time when the hope of the world's salvation had vanished, when the Redeemer, the hoped world ruler, lay dead in a borrowed, sealed, and guarded tomb, when cowardly and confused disciples crept around Jerusalem, you know, afraid of their uh, of their own shadow, so to speak, when the Son of Righteousness uh, had been shaded by the cross and had now slept in the valley of the shadow of death. When believers had lost heart and hope and taken on uh, 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 brokenness, if you will, a desperation, all of hell is now holding a party and saying, the battle is over, Christ is gone. He wasn't near as strong or as mighty as we thought he was. It was from uh, uh, such conditions as this that the church was born. Out of the resurrection, the ascension and the the ascension of Christ uh, and the descension of the Holy Ghost into the upper room, the church was born. I won't ever forget uh, Caleb going to one of the Christian schools, I can't even remember the name of it now, Snook Christian Academy, and he was taking the Bible class, and in the Bible class, for one of the tests, they asked the question, when was the church born? And they were looking for a date, and it, I believe it was the, you know, the startup or the, when the, you know, Catholic church declared itself to be the they were looking for a certain date, and I said, that's not right. 
And he said, well, according to the textbook, what they've been teaching, that's the answer. That they're going to count as right. When I take the test, I said, but it's not right. According to the textbook I've been reading, the birth date of the church was in the upper room. When the Holy Ghost descended and out of that room came 120 disciples full of the Holy Ghost and preached Jesus and 3,000 souls were added to the church. That's the first time you, you see God birthing a church and on the first day adding to the church. And he added from that day unto the church such as should be saved. The upper room was the inaugural place for the, for the christening of the old gospel ship. It was the first, you know, general council or general assembly of the saints. From this room came a group of men and women filled, amen, with a, with a baptism in the Holy Ghost, a baptism in fire and power. Hallelujah. Amen. Overcome with zealous evangelism, bent on worldwide conquest through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, they had a command from the Lord to go into all the world. Amen. To preach the gospel and that is exactly what they did. This was the start. This was the birth. This was the beginning. This was the genesis of the church, the creation, the uh, conception, the very starting block. Uh, it was the, it, this uh, was the difference. Uh, it was God who, do, who was doing the work and not man. It was uh, new. It was unique. This little band of believers were a firebrand of God. They had nothing in their hand but staves, no weapons but love. With fervor, not fear. They were more courageous than they were cautious. They preached as men who were under a spell, so to speak. Their words were like burning spears or daggers or darts of fire going everywhere, piercing the heart of all people. This group preached in the slums of Jerusalem to the, to the crowds in the marketplace out of those who had been drawn from the ends of the earth. They stirred themselves. They startled individuals. They blistered. They blessed. They cut. They caressed with messages that were infused with a brutal and stark frankness. But it was, or be it the Sanhedrin, the governor, the priest, the crowd in the street, the king sitting on the throne, whoever it might have been, it could have been jailbirds in a dungeon. They still burned with Holy Ghost fire. Listen to what the Stephen said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised uh, in hearts. Uh, and listen to what Peter said, you have been and are now betrayers uh, and murderers of the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. Such preaching uh, was too much uh, for men. They must be stopped. They were stoned, uh, sawed asunder, put in prison, beheaded. Uh, they were thrown to wild beasts. Their bodies burned at the stake uh, on, with torches and fire. 
the fight, the war was on. War had been declared not by the devil. War had been declared on sin by God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That war is still being waged tonight. Out of the shadow of death came the birth of a church that had been conceived in the heart of God. It had been labored for at Calvary. Amen. Breathed into like Adam at creation in the upper room. And now empowered, cold, and given strength by that same Holy Ghost. Uh, that's the conception of the church. We walk from its conception. I mean, you don't have to travel far out of Acts chapter 2. You walk from conception right into conflict. Amen. Man that's born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. You won't escape it. You're born again. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. But uh, it, you won't escape conflict either. Amen. You're going to have trouble. I'd rather have trouble with Jesus. You've got to go through storms in life, and you will, sinner or saint. If you've got to face storms, I'd rather know Jesus is on board with me. Amen. You, you, you're going to face, uh, you know, uh, the dungeon. I'd rather have Jesus as my cellmate than have to go it alone. You're going to endure sickness. I'd rather know the healer than I had any position you can name me on planet earth. You see the conflicts of the church. Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners? She is the bride of Christ, the church, the army of the Lord, and it's an army in conflict. Ephesians Chapter 6 and verse 12 cautions us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Indeed, it is a conflict. It is not a easy street. It is not a bed of roses. This is not a casual gathering of believers. We're in the arena fighting against the devil himself. We're battling against all the powers of hell that have gathered themselves together against us. We face the forces of evil and the ravaging power of devastation. There's no place for wishy-washy. Right. In and out. Uncommitted or compromising cowards. This is a conflict for men and women with a backbone who have a moral stamina. Men and women who will stand and cry aloud, who will reprove, rebuke, and exhort uh, with all long-suffering and doctrine against the wickedness uh, and the worldliness, uh, against every false doctrine, and preach the word of God without respect of persons. I got a lot of buddies, a lot of friends. I like to hunt, I like to fish, and I like to eat. I'll go do any and all of the above on any occasion. If somebody wants to fish or hunt or let's go get something to eat, I'm all game. I got a lot of friends and a lot that I would call buddies, but we're 
They and I, on a few occasions, uh, have decided to part ways. Uh, I'm no man's buddy in the pulpit. Yeah. I'm the preacher of the gospel. And this gospel is what we have to preach. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I come bringing a sword. He said, it's going to cause five to be in one home, three against two, and two against three. The daughter against the mother, and the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law. Somebody's going to say, I believe the word of God no matter what. And the other one's going to say, I think you've lost your mind and you're going a little overboard with it. By meaning I'm no man's buddy in the pulpit. Let, let the word of God be true and every man a liar. If you've got a problem with the word of God, I'm your buddy. But if there's any partner ways, I'm staying with Jesus. I'm going to stay with the book. The conflict demands John the Baptist to denounce sin. Even if it costs you your head. Elijah, <laughs> you may have to pray down fire from heaven. Amen. No matter if it puts a death warrant on your head. Jezebel said, let God do to me like he's done to these. If by this time tomorrow I don't lift your head off of your shoulders. He laid down under a juniper tree and said, oh, I just let me die. God said, you ain't going to die. She's the one going to die. Right. You ever wondered why God would not let Elijah die? I believe it's because Jezebel stood in front of every demon-possessed person in the land and said, let God do so to me if by this time tomorrow I haven't killed that man. God said, not only are you not going to kill him, I'm not going to let him die just because you said that. And he killed her and didn't leave nothing but her hand and the palm of her hand. The dogs ate her in the streets. Hallelujah. I think if the devil ever makes an ultimatum to God, God stands up as terrible as an army with banners. No weapon formed against this church will ever be allowed to prosper. The conflict demanded John the Baptist to denounce sin at the cost of his head. Elijah to pray down fire from heaven at the cost of the wrath of the queen Samuel. Amen. Uh, uh, who, who had every enemy of Israel figuring out a way, some kind of way to kill the Israelites because God was on him and never let one word that he ever prophesied fall to the ground. I'm telling you, it stirred the devil up all around him. God had to raise David up to fight the Philistines. Samson who would tear up the gatepost of the enemy. David, who would sling the stone of truth into the brazen head of a modern-day Goliath. This conflict calls for a church that will be a force, not a form. In the last days, he said, 
there would come those that have a form of godliness but would deny the power. That's not the church. The church is not a form. When God made Adam, he formed him out of the earth and he lay there on the ground as a form. But a form is a threat to nobody. A form is dead and lifeless. The church, you can put it in a building bottle the people together and sing a song and deliver a message but it takes God in that believer God through the preached word through the anointed worship the spirit of God moving through that house like a river to give it power to bring it to life only then is that church the church amen that church will be a force and not a form a conquering army that will triumphantly march against and gloriously conquer every power of sin. It calls for a church that will invade the darkest areas of paganism, worldliness, demonism, Satanism, whatever you want to call it. Overcome the seemingly unstoppable, unstoppable forces of political power bent on power that is demonic power, a takeover of the earth, a, a, a materialistic uh, uh, dominion that would, uh, like Satan, have every man bowed down unto it. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you whatever in this world you want. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt not worship, or thou shalt not have no other God before me. Not going to happen. Those three Hebrew boys said, Not happening. We're not worshiping you, your image, dancing to your beat, marching to the beat of your drum. Burn us if you can, or if you think you want to. We're not bowing. Amen. Amen. Yet the church goes on marching and fighting. The church is not a weakling who's going to fall before this world or the infidel sarcasm. The church will never be trampled underfoot by wicked men. It's an army whose influence will stand everything, will ascend every hill, until it calls the people out of the world to the foot of the cross where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It may not be popular in 2021 to be born again. It's even less popular in 2021 to be full of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's even less popular than that to live right in a loose living generation. I want to tell you, Jesus is going to come back and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He is going to vindicate this church. Amen. We go from the conflict to our commander-in-chief of the church. I'm not worried about if the church is going to win because I know who's leading the fight. Amen. This army has a commander-in-chief. The Bible says that God gave Christ to be the head over all things to the church. 
I sure am glad Jesus is in control. Not a superintendent, not an overseer, not an elder, not a deacon, and not a pastor. I'm glad that God gave Christ to be the head over all things to the church. Charles Spurgeon once said the church may go through her dark ages, but Christ is with her in the midnight. She may pass through her fiery furnace, but Christ is in the midst of the flames with her. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's all I need to know. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I am going to stay with the church. Christ is the founder of the church. He is its keystone, cornerstone, its pillar and the rock. He declares the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It is his power and leadership that has helped the church to withstand every valley. Under his command, the church will continue to climb the loftiest of mountains. Under, under the carnage of every wicked leader of its day from uh, Rome and its Caesars and its Herods to every other name you can mention, the church has marched right through the midst of through China and its emperor uh, Z or whatever you call him. There's a church there where they're being born again. By, by some records say 100,000 people per day. One of the greatest revivals in the known world right now is taking place in Iraq and in Iran right, in the, right under the nose of a devil that's being born again by the tens of thousands. This church will be triumphant. That's right. Good preaching. What is the battle cry of this church? His church is still composed of what the Bible, the church in the Greek is ekklesia. And it means the called out ones. Those who've been born again, genuinely converted and separated from their former life. His church is still a soul-saving institution of which he is the head and not man. The battle cry is the church is not by might nor by power. But by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It was the Holy Ghost that gave Peter the courage to face the murderers of Christ on the day of Pentecost. It was the Holy Ghost that gave the men and women of the early church strength to defy the church of their known day, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. It gave them power to withstand the civil and military rulers of their day, the Roman centurions. He gave the missionaries grace to stay at their post amid every hardship. He gave Elijah's prayers 
mightier than the decrees of Ahab. Elisha more formidable than the army of Cyrus. He made Isaiah's words hotter than coals of fire. Daniel's words more powerful than a king in his entire kingdom. It was the Holy Ghost that made the apostles mightier than the whole Roman legion. For when the fire of God's spirit burns in the heart of a man or a woman, soldiers, amen, have met their doom. Souls will be stirred. Minds are going to be moved. Emotions are going to be impelled. Tongues will be loosed. Men, women, boys, and girls are made new, changed, charged, and challenged by the Spirit of God. The greatest hour of the church is not when the when the biggest building has been built, uh, erected, or completed, it's not when the note is paid off. Uh, it's not when we count our largest congregation or receive uh, our greatest offering. Oh, the preacher has preached his hottest sermon. The greatest hour of the church is when the old, old yeah. story is told and the invitation is given uh, and the individual that's lost uh, bound by sin makes his or her way down the aisle and they're born again. That's the greatest hour of any church. They kneel at an old-fashioned altar. Amen. Repent of their sins. Are born again, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. They dedicate and commit their lives under this Jesus. They pledge their allegiance unto him and unto his word. This is the finest hour of any church and that is the work of the Holy Ghost. It's no wonder that Jesus said in John 16 and 7, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, that is the Holy Ghost, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Christ knew what the church needed and so he ordered the precise uh, the exact spiritual equipment needed. Amen. Without the Holy Ghost, the church would be like a, I don't know, like a locomotive. They started out as a steam engine. It'd be like a locomotive without any steam. They run off the coal now. Amen. To fuel those big locomotives, those big engines, it'd be like a, it'd be like a big engine with no coal. To fuel, amen, to fuel the fire. Listen, be like an airplane with no, no uh, jet fuel. It'd be like a rocket with no rocket fuel. It'd be like a, it'd be like an individual without a heartbeat. It'd be like a man with no blood coursing through his veins. That's what the Holy Ghost is to the church. He is the like blood coursing through our veins. It's the spirit that reproves the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. It's he that regenerates the sinner from sinner to saint, uh, that leads them from the altar under prayer, or, or from the pew under the altar of prayer. He makes the believer feel their need for power and fills them with the fullness of God. He endues the saints uh, and makes them mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He takes weak things and confounds the mighty. He takes foolish things uh, and makes simple the wise. Uh, it's with his help that we go forth conquering and to conquer. It leads me to the last point, the conquest. 
had to stay with my notes tonight. I preach all night. Come on. The conquest of the church. Such a battle cry can only result in a glorious conquest. Do you think if God gave his only begotten son and if Jesus prayed the Father to send the Holy Ghost and that God would let no weapon formed against the church prosper, do you not believe there is going to be a mighty conquest? God never wastes any of his resources. God never stops short of completion. God on the sixth day, after he had made man and seen that everything that he had made from man going all the way back to the earth itself said, it's all good and it's all finished and I think I'm just going to take a day of rest. It's all good, it's all finished and I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. I'm going to sit back and look at it and listen to and just take pleasure in it. When Jesus came, he only lived 33 and a half years. His ministry only endured from the time that he was baptized in the Holy Ghost at the River Jordan. The Holy Ghost descended upon him. From that moment, it was written, Lo, it is written of me in the volume of the book, I am come to do thy will, O God. It was the revelation of his ministry on the earth contained, encapsulated in three and a half short years. But when he hung on the cross, he died in glorious victory. He said, it is finished. He had conquered sin. He had conquered Satan. He died victorious. He is about to ascend unto heaven and pray the Father to send the Holy Ghost. It was finished. He completed it. And the culmination of God's work and God's completion will be in glorious conquest. Yes. Wonderful and complete victory. Amen. Thank you, Thank you. Amen. You don't need to worry how this is going to turn out. You just need to make sure you're on the right side. Amen. This Such a battle cry can only result in conquest. John described triumphant entry of the church with her king in these words in Revelation 19 verses 11 through 16. If you ever want to know how it's going to end, read Revelation and reread it and read it again and encourage yourself. I know how the story ends. Revelation 19, 11 through 16, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And, his and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven, whoa, hallelujah, followed him upon white horses. Clothed in fine linen, yeah. white and clean. Yeah. 
and out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, the kingdoms of this world are about to become the kingdoms of our God. I want to tell you, it's not going to be Republican or Democrat or dictator. It's going to be born again. It's going to be Christian. You can't take a Bible or quote the Bible or preach the Bible in a public arena, not in a communist China, not in a communist Russia, or not in a supposedly free America, but in that day, the Bible is going to rule the land. Hallelujah. I said not the Supreme Court, not the Constitution, the B-I-B-L-E, a glorious conquest of the Word of God, the law of God. He's going to enforce it all over the world. This tells us that the church will go on in blessed service until his kingdom shall cover the earth. Like the Bible said, as the waters cover the sea. This Christ shall reign. His crown will outshine all crowns. Then shall men be forevermore conquered by his power. Death and hell will once and forever be defeated. And the church shall be triumphant in him. Persecution will never crush the church. Power, dominion, political, economic, or, 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 or any kind of other power that you can name will never beat the church back. Time will never erode or evade the church's yeah. power. The abuse and the treason of the church's friends will not shake its stability. For after the flag of every republic and empire have been blown to tatters and the earth itself has tasted death, then the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will stand forth as glorious, free from spot, wrinkle, or blemish, no mark of decay. Amen. For the gates of hell will have not prevailed against it. Its foundation is built upon the rock of ages, the chief and the cornerstone. Its charter is for everlasting unto everlasting. Its keys are held by the universal proprietor. Its dividend is heaven and its president is God Almighty. Mercy, if you'll help us, I need to finish. I need to close. I don't watch the news. I'm on a news boycott. I don't want to hear one thing they got to say. If their lips are doing like this, they're lying straight through their teeth. But I broke my boycott against my own against my own device and I was watching 
a little clip off of YouTube of Fox News. And uh, Biden said that tornado that ripped through six states was caused by global warming. They need to take away our gas-burning cars. They need to put everybody in an electric vehicle or ride a bicycle. So what if you live in a rural area and you work an hour away? It wouldn't matter if you work 30 minutes away driving a car. If you put everybody walking or riding a bike, put them out of work. Man, I, I just want to slap him through the video. I want to say I'm an American, not a Chinese best way to solve global warming is to get rid of you. We'll all find out a hundred years from now the earth's the same temperature as it was. You want to know why I don't believe in Bible or, or why I don't believe in global warming is because I believe in the Bible. And the Bible said as long as the earth is. As long as the earth is, there's going to be a summertime and there's going to be a winter. There's going to be a time to sow and a time to harvest. All of these things are going to be as long as the earth is. And whatever they say is hogwash, garbage, and baloney. I'm on a boycott. Don't want to look at you. Don't want to listen to you. Don't like you. The fact that you're taking our liberty and destroying our nation. So the news that I want to log on to. The news that I want to look into. I want to be reminded that Christ is still on the throne. And that Biden is a puppet that God's pulling his strings to bring about the end. And in the end, Christ is going to reign. And I am going to reign with him. And you see that number 12 right there? See it? Take a good look at it, devil, because you're about to be underneath it. The Bible said he is about to put Satan under our feet shortly. He's about to bruise him. Under our feet. He walked on us long enough. He said this thing's going to end in glorious conquest. We cannot dream of the glory the Bible said that is to be revealed in us. As one great Christian of old proclaimed, O church of God, O gate of heaven, let me go through it. He said, come on, all ye people of God's church, fall in line, close up the ranks, march on through burning sands and frozen mountaintops. March on until the whole earth surrenders to your God, for he made it, uh, he redeemed it, uh, and it shall all be his. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's redeemed us by his own blood out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation and made us kings and priests under our God. When it ain't worth a dime to be an American in the future, it'll mean everything to be a Christian. You no, know, for years, patriotism put in me 
My daddy's a veteran. His daddy before him was a veteran. And I put that hand over, over my heart saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Our nation's flag stands just as proudly in here as that flag does. But when that flag's gone and don't mean nothing, that one right there is going to fly over heaven. The cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus. This church is terrible as an army with banners. No weapon formed against it's going to be allowed to prosper. Out of China, out of the Middle East, out of the corruption of America, and right out of the, 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 the yuck of a worldly compromised church is going to be believers, victorious, full of the Holy Ghost, bought by the blood of the Lamb, Bible under arm, hidden in their heart, firebrands they were. Amen. Their, their words were His word. Their passion was for Him and Him alone. They're going to rule and reign with Him as long as time is. Time will be no more. The church will still be. Do you hear me? When time shall be no more, the church will still be. As long as God is, the church will be by His side. That's how this thing's going to end up. I want you to keep your eyes on Him. I want you to stay in love with Him. I want you to stay full of Him. Amen. If you'll do that, you'll walk in victory. We're going to occupy until Jesus comes. Take those to the lions like they did the early church. Those Romans tossed early Christians. Caesar burned his own country to the ground and blamed the Christians for it. They took Christians and threw them into those arenas and turned lions loose on them and watched as entertainment Christians get torn from limb to limb. Was it right? Christians were innocent. They were being lied upon and falsely imprisoned and falsely accused. All their liberty stripped and taken away. But Caesar's dead, Rome is no more, and the church is marching on. You pick the wrong side, Mr. Caesar. draw that man up from the dead he'd run and fall at the feet of the ones that he burned at the stake or thrown into the lion's den he'd fall at their feet and say what must I do to be saved I chose the wrong master I fought on the wrong side of the battlefield Give me one more chance and I'll live for God. But we get no second chances. When this life's over, it's it. This is our one opportunity to get it right. To call on the name of the Lord. To live for God. To be as terrible as an army with banners. To fight the good fight and lay hold on eternal life. To win the victory through Jesus Christ.
today is the day of salvation. Amen. There are no do-overs, no second chances. It's today or it's never. Amen. We're that close to the end. I believe the Antichrist is alive and well. He's licking his chops to take this sin-sick world over. Amen. Jesus Christ is about ready to reign and rule. Amen. To judge this world in righteousness. Before he does, he's going to call this church home. Clothe her in robe in immortality. And eternal robes of white. Clean and white. Which is the righteousness of the saints. That righteousness is Christ in us. The hope of glory. If you don't know him, I want you to know him. Amen. If you've never experienced the fullness of his power, I want you to call upon his name and seek for this baptism of fire and power. Oh God, fill me with the fullness of God. Baptize me in the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh God, that I can march in beat with this Christ to walk in step with him and his church is terrible as an army with banners. Amen. Like a mighty army, we're going to march from this life into the next, victorious over sin, self, and sin. Even so come, Lord Jesus, is our prayer. Amen. If that's your prayer, meet me in this altar tonight. Stretch your hands toward heaven. If there's anything, if there's anything you're fighting in your life, if there's anything you're going through, if there's any battle you find yourself in the, in the midst of, I want you to be reminded this church is as terrible as an army with battles. God's never lost a battle, and he never will. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent. That means almighty and all-powerful. Reigns. He's in full control. He's in full control tonight. He knows where you are. He knows what you're up against and who you're facing. He knows what you're fighting. He'll give you power to overcome it. 